Media at SAFM with Ashraf Gardner. Sunday morning, we talk media, marketing, PR, branding. So brand communications for the next two hours. And a key part of that really is the issue of media as in the journalism aspect. And that's what we focus on for the first half an hour or so. My name is Ashraf Garda. Welcome to the show. You can connect anytime relevant to the discussion at that moment by calling into 0891 So 0891-104207. SMS is 34701. And if you're tweeting, it's at Ashraf Garda. Just by the way, another number to remember, South Africa 209 for two against Sri Lanka. Um, I'll check the overs out in a second. I know Amla sort of nearing into another century. It's about 90-odd together with AB De Villiers. I'll update you there uh, pretty shortly indeed. Right, let's then talk about uh, the first issue then, the future of public media. So, the Joburg Radio Days event, that's an annual event that takes place in Johannesburg um, uh, in the first week of July, happened a few days ago. I was not there, unfortunately. I was in Grahamstown, but uh, lots came out of it. And and one of the key issues that certainly that you as a listener needs to uh, take a note of is, is the issue of public media. So I've got three guests to talk about that. Uh, Kate Skinner is with me, a member of the working group for the, well, s- support public broadcasting, as well as a broadcast researcher. Kate, good chatting to you once again. Hi. Hi. Thank you. We also have uh, Nadia Bulbulia, who is a, a regulator, been involved in many things in, in media, of course, from former SABC board member to ICASA to the MDDA as well. Nadia, good chatting to you as well. Hi. Hello. Thank you. And Jane Duncan is now the Professor of Journalism at uh, the University of Joburg. Jane, hi. Good morning. Good morning. Now, tell you what, let me do this. Before we even get into to your thoughts in terms of what you think the future of, of public media is or, or should be, in fact, uh, let's, let's play a clip from Anton Harbour, who was one of the panellists uh, at the Joburg Radio Day. This is what Anton Harbour had to say. I think we all cherish a notion of the SABC, of the public broadcaster, um, as the paragon of good and great journalism as setting a benchmark for the best journalism of this country because its position in serving the public rather than profit, in serving the country, the nation as a whole rather than any particular grouping or faction or element um, within it, gives it so important a position and should allow it more than any other journalistic institution to rise above the financial and political and other pressures that quite often, frankly, constrain our journalism and the quality of our journalism. When we criticize elements of our journalism, I think there is a hope we have that the public broadcaster can be the one place that sets a high bar doors up the standards across the field. And I think that after 20 years of public service media, of public broadcasting in a democratic society, we need quite frankly to ask ourselves why that is not the case, why the SABC seldom sets a high bar, seldom produces the best and most interesting of our journalism. It certainly has from time to time produced some very good, some very interesting, um, some very important journalism and current affairs and everything in that field. But why, particularly in recent years, I would say there has been a lot of criticism of the quality, the standard of the journalism, of its independence. And I think the place to start is by saying this. 
Great journalism is bold. Great journalism is challenging. Great journalism is disruptive. It thrives best in an atmosphere, in, an, in newsrooms of freedom, of openness, um, of debate, of rich exchange, of situations in which journalists can say, hold on, here's a story that demands more attention. That's uh, Anton Hub. I'll give you that cricket score in a minute. Uh, in fact, Abby de Villiers is out now for 75. So South Africa, 211. That's after 36 overs and that partnership of 151. Amla, who I will confirm that score. He's a 91. Yeah, 91 and not out. Let's get to issues of the future of public media. Of course, you as a listener will have views. I know that. We'll get to your thoughts in a minute. Let me let me get to Kate Skinner on firstly. Your your thoughts, if, uh, you know, A, respond to what Anton said, but more importantly, you, you've put together a, a presentation on in your interpretation of, of the future of, uh, of public media. What, what, tell us about it. Yeah, thank you. Um, what, what I was saying at the conference is that um, public media now needs to be a lot more innovative than it has been in the past. So mm-hmm. the conference was looking at the kind of traditional public broadcasters and their role and what, what it means now that they're going to be um, operating in a society where there is a massive media out there and you can get your media on your cell phone and on your tablet and just everywhere and on the internet. And so, so what, 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 does public, what does public media have to do now? in that new environment with that kind of plethora of, of information out there. And I think what was interesting was to say that it has to be credible. It has to be independent. It has to be independent of all vested interests. Um, it also has to be incredibly aware of the audience out there and accountable to its audience. It needs to be innovative. It needs to take on board the latest technology, this, you know, the latest kind of Twitter, social media, Facebook mm, kind mm, of... Mm, of, mm. of, of um, you know trends and and so what was exciting was to look at some of the public broadcasters internationally that are doing that so for instance Swedish radio the head of Swedish radio was at the conference and she was amazing Silla Benko mm-hmm. talking about how they actually co-create content with their audience they put out a clip on YouTube about domestic violence issues and they get their audience to bring the most kind of interesting thoughtful stories to them and then they they create a whole lot of content from that. So it's not journalists sitting in an office deciding what is going to be talked about. It's actually audiences and and producers okay. co-creating. Which, which is interesting, Take, taking the issue of public to, to its lit, in its literal sense, say, invite public participation across the board. I'll get to that in, in, in a minute. Let me get to Nadia Babuja. Your thoughts, public media, the future? Absolutely. I mean, I can't agree more with Kate in terms of embracing new technologies. Um, and I think certainly for yourselves at the SABC, it's something that you've been doing as well. I think that, you know, for, for public broadcasting, it's still always about diversity and plurality. It's about ensuring that um, every single citizen's needs are being addressed. At the end of the day, it is a public service, a public good, a public value. Um, I do think that the majority of our people still rely very heavily on traditional media, and we need to remember that constantly, and that, by that I mean radio and television. Uh, we have seen a fragmentation of audiences, yes. We've also seen what's so commonly known as user-generated content. Mm-hmm. I do think it makes all of us um, have to work a little bit harder in terms of discerning uh, what really is um, credible, ethical, does stand up to good kind of um, you know, high standards of journalism, what's fair, what's unbiased, etc., 
Also, just to say that a lot of um, the public interest, the remit, the mandate, all of this is legislated. We know this is legislated in the Broadcasting Act, the EC Act, but also in license conditions of, of, of the public broadcaster. I think now is the time for the public broadcaster indeed to innovate more. We see it using supplementary complementarity around using online applications and extending its services to many more citizens. Mm. Well, you know, what's interesting, and I want to get Jane, Jane Duncan's thoughts on this one. When we talk of public media, just for those that, that may not be very familiar, we, you know, we, the SABC is a classic example of that, right? We, are, we, are we talking ownership on the one hand versus content on the other? Meaning, if ownership of public media versus private media is very different, must the content be very different as well when you're comparing the different stations or channels? Jane? Well, that's certainly the assumption that um, uh, owner, public ownership is a necessary but by no means a sufficient condition um, for production of, of, of publicly orientated content. There's other, obviously other factors that impact on the publicness of the content. So funding, for instance, if you have a largely commercial funding base, um, then you may land up with um, a content that really mimics um, commercial content rather than um, forging its own path. Um, but I think that um, I, I would like to comment on, on some of the points that Anton raised because I think they're critically important. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think to start on a po- more positive note, I, I would say that public um, media certainly does have a future. In fact, I think it needs to have a future. It's important for the quality of our democracy that it does have a future. Um, and in fact, I'd argue that the mandate, although the mandate needs to be rethought in, the view of, in, in view of the, the new digital environment, the mandate remains um, fundamentally re- um, as relevant now as it was in the past, if not more relevant. Um, mm. And I think that one of the things that makes the mandate relevant is something that Nadia has already touched on, which is that um, there tend to be high levels of market failure in commercial broadcasting. They tend to be genres that, because they're expensive and often don't attract much income, um, tend to be neglected. Um, so, for instance, religious programming, mm-hmm. sexual programming. Um, there are audiences that um, often tend to be marginalised elderly people, for instance, um, um, in, in, in commercial environments. In South Africa, we, see, we tend to see the dominance of English and, to a lesser extent, Afrikaans in programming. So all of these are examples of, of market failure in, in, in commercial broadcasting. But I think perhaps even more importantly is that we need to hold on to the idea of needing common viewing and listening spaces um, in our media system, a kind of town square or public sphere where people can go in order to discuss the most pressing issues of the day. And, and these common spaces are becoming even more difficult to, you know, to achieve in the, um, in the digital environment with increasing fragmentation. But I think that unless we develop um, a strategy and, and ensure that we have the political will to build those common spaces and to retain them, I think we risk developing a society that's unable to see itself. And I think that that's certainly not the kind of society we can afford to live in. Okay, talking about the public, I'll invite a couple of calls if you wish to contribute to this discussion the future of uh, public media, 0891104207. You've heard the voice of Jane Duncan. Before that, Nadia Babulia. And with me as well is Kate Skinner. Kate, your, your assessment then in terms of the public media in South Africa right now, you know, I know we can have a five-hour discussion, but we don't have that time. Very quickly, what's your thoughts then in terms of that initial premise? How does the SABC, for example, fit into that wish list of a public broadcaster? 
Look, on a, lo- a number of levels, obviously the um, SABC does fulfill that mandate. I mean, it does create a public space um, for people to, to, to talk across kind of race, class, gender. Um, it's amazing in terms of the fact that it covers so many different languages. So it's, it, it, it ensures that that kind of diversity happens. And in fact, the SABC is better than any other institution in terms of the, the kind of sheer coverage mm-hmm. of, um, you know, language issues. So, um, and, and of course, there's some amazing spaces of kind of courageous journalism where where you know people tr- talk truth to power but I think the thing is that that what you're wanting um, in this new digital age is for the SABC to do more of that kind of credible balanced fair sort of courageous journalism which is the kind of journalism that that Professor Anton Harbour was talking about um, and also to be more innovative in terms of using these other platforms and using social sure. media. So, okay, two, two things. On, on on the credibility side, how credible, for example, is the SABC in terms of uh, news production? Well, look, the fact is that, that it, it, there have been worrying trends over, over the last while. I mean, particularly around the elections, there were various adverts, um, you know, EFF adverts and DA adverts and things that were banned, um, you know. And, and I think that that is not a good thing for the SABC, for, for people, you know, to be talking about the fact that, you know, certain critical views are not actually being broadcast mm-hmm. because this broadcaster, I mean, as a public broadcaster, has an absolute mandate in its legislation, in its charter, to have all views expressed. And so when when there is a huge controversy about certain views, in fact, being banned, then you've got a problem on your hands. And so it's very important that SABC leadership, um, you know, actually adheres to its legislation, adheres to its charter and its license conditions and ensures that all of those views are there, um, you know, so that, uh, you know, particularly during election period, but during all periods, you know, people have the kind of information they need, all the views, so that they can take decisions about their lives mm, and who mm, to vote mm, for. Mm. Not, not, Nadia, but yeah, your, your thoughts on that, on, on the credibility aspect of the SABC? Look, I think, I know, I pointed out before, I think that the majority of South African citizens, you know, the first radio station, television services you, you're consuming are the public broadcasters. I mm-hmm. think that to the points that, that Kate has raised, we need to also recognize that there's a code of conduct for broadcasters, there are clear processes within the regulator, ICASA itself, that there are mechanisms and that there are ways in which, and structured ways in which to deal with issues um, that, that do concern the public and that the public can raise. I think that when we talk about um, the credibility, integrity, we're concerned with the sustainability and the continued viability of the public broadcaster, because at the end of the day, we need to protect um, this public value, this public good. Um, and, and at the end of the day, it is about the way in which the public broadcaster continues to encourage uh, expression and reflection of South African attitudes, opinions, ideas, values, artistic creativity, etc. And I think the public broadcaster has really been serving the interest of the majority of South Africans. I think that that's undeniable um, and to the point that it is still serving um, the largest majority in terms of radio, mm-hmm. um, that it has more than 18 stations, that it reflects in um, multilingual stations in, in a range of languages, that it serves the interests of, of people with disabilities, of uh, you know, elderly persons, that it is really in terms of its mandate extended and I think um, has been meeting its its obligations, but of course, it's always about improving. It's always about being absolutely. Unique. Yeah. It's always about now, now, being I mean, th- th- there is a thought that you know, generally, in the points you've just made, that generally the SABC does that and delivers extensively and and and, and fantastically, right? The, the issue, however, of, of the politics of the country, there's a perception that the SABC is contested territory, and, and it doesn't matter who's in power. Uh, it, it's it's important for them to get their hands on the leverages of power within the SABC. Your thoughts on that, Nadia, and and, and maybe making comparisons in terms of 
the role of a public broadcaster, not just in this country, but in other countries too? Mm. I think, you know, at, at the core, and again, I say this is also expressed in the legislation itself, is about the broadcaster being independent from government, independent from commercial interests, independent from other interests. Is that standard of independence, is that ability um, to stand to account to the very publics, the many publics that it serves, I think that uh, public broadcasting globally is under threat, it would seem, especially because of um, the online digital spaces and, and new platforms, um, that we're constantly going to be in this unique and contested area. And that's what makes for robust and incredible engagement and debate. And I think what we, what we can't forget is that we do live in an environment where, in fact, we can have these, these conversations, that we can critique and continually um, unpack where we're sitting at this point in our history, 20 years later, and where the public broadcaster finds itself. Of course, we, con- we have to consistently work at it. Um, you know, there is no magic wand. Um, but I think that if you look at the structures that are in place, if you look at the reporting through Parliament, if you look at the role of, of parliamentary oversight and whether or not those are, are working effectively, those are the kinds of issues as well that we need to unpack going forward. Okay, let's get some calls. Kondile from uh, Mangaung, good chatting to you once again. Hi. Hi, Ashraf. Yeah, go ahead. Thank you. Look, I, I, I partly agree with uh, Dr. Duncan, but, uh, you know, Ashraf, it is very difficult to talk about the balance in an imbalanced environment like South Africa. An example, if you're saying the public broadcaster, which is your SAVC, mm-hmm. as an element of maybe, for example, bias towards a public service, you find that your commercial, for example, I, I can maybe boldly say your ESCA, would definitely uh, 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 be, you know, totally uh, against maybe your public service, you know, without them showing any other thing that is uh, 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 developmental and so So for me, <clears throat> the environment in South Africa is such that it doesn't allow for, 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 for that balance. I don't know what can, could be done okay. in, in, uh, for, us to see the, for, for, for us to see the balance, but one other thing that uh, uh, has actually exposed us uh, generally, whether you're talking private or public broadcaster, it is the elections. During the elections, you could see that, for example, there, there, there's a lot of uh, work that is supposed to be done by both uh, privately owned uh, commercial uh, okay. uh, media. Let's, let, let's, see if I, let's see if I can pick up on that, Kondila. Thanks for that, uh, thanks for that call. I'm going I'm to move on. Happy to get another few calls. If you do get in short and sharp, most appreciated. 891 We'll have an update on the cricket pretty shortly. I can tell you Amla's got to 100. We'll cross to Natalie uh, Germanis for an update there. Uh, interesting point, Jane Duncan, in terms of what, what Kondila said, the, you know, uh, to, to for, for the public broadcaster to fulfill its mandate in this country, he's suggesting that it's, it's very difficult. Your thoughts on that? Well, it is difficult, um, but it's certainly not impossible. Um, I think it's made much more difficult by the lack of political will um, that we have in the country to attain a robust public broadcaster. And here I want to return to what Anton was saying. I think at the heart mm-hmm. of the reason why 20 years into democracy um, we still lack a, a really robust um, public broadcaster is a lack of political will. Um, I think that uh, a public broadcaster that's really out there and reflecting the country back to itself, I think could be enormously threatening to political elites. And I think that this is one of the reasons why we seem to see um, um, a support for public broadcasting, certainly on the level of rhetoric, but um, uh, um, insufficient delivery um, in, in reality. And, um, for instance, we haven't seen um, a, a proper commitment to the funding and decommercialization of the public broadcaster. 
Um, and I think that and, and, and that commitment should should come from from who? Um, Jane? That that, yeah. that that should come from the fiscus. Um, it should certainly come from um, from the public purse. Um, because if we do not have um, dedicated funding, pu public funding, not just for particular programs, but for the SABC as an institution, um, I think we're inevitably going to condemn it to long-term decline. Because it's always going to look like a quasi-commercial, quasi-public broadcaster, um, which in turn is going to raise the ire of commercial broadcasters who say that the SABC has an unfair competitive advantage mm -hmm. and will argue for its further marginalization. So we've done no favours by the fact that its, its, its identity um, um, remains, remains um, 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 fudged um, uh, 20 years on. But I think, Ashraf, just to return to um, the question that you're asking about the credibility of the SABC, I think that unfortunately the credibility of the SABC has declined quite significantly over the past few years, especially when it's come to news and current affairs. And there's been a range of controversies that I think we're all aware of um, that have spoken to um, erosions of the editorial independence of the SABC. Institutionally as well, I think the SABC is tied to the apron strings of government in completely um, inappropriate ways. But I think we have to recognize the fact that this is not a transformation challenge that's peculiar um, to South Africa. Um, I think we found um, 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 from the wave of transformations that happened since the fall of the Berlin Wall, especially in Southern Africa and Eastern Europe, that there have been common trends um, that have taken place. And those trends um, have tended to see um, state broadcasters being handed from one set of elites to another set of elites. And effectively, the culture and practice of state broadcasting has continued virtually unchallenged. Okay. Um, so in countries like Serbia and Montenegro, for instance, you've had the legislative transformation, but um, the culture and practice of what they call auto-censorship has continued um, inside newsrooms. All right. I, I want to get, get Kate's thoughts on that. Let me just tell you as well, SMS is 34701, 34701 if you wish to SMS. Someone saying media-free press, a bad free press is preferable to a technically good subservient press, uh, and then something saying President Nelson Mandela, right? Uh, probably quoting him, I think it is. Uh, if you wish to tweet as well, you can tweet to at Ashraf Garda, also use the hashtag media show. We're talking about the future of public media. We'll do that for another 10 minutes uh, or so longer. Kate Skinner, I want to get your thoughts on the the thoughts about from many people that generally the SABC is fine, but the the selection of the board is is problematic. Your, your thoughts, was that discussed uh, at Joburg Radio Days and, and what are your thoughts about it? Well, it's interestingly, it wasn't really discussed in any, any great detail at, at, at Joburg Radio Days, but it was a point that I raised that I thought it was worrying the, that, for instance, that some of the statements that the minister, uh, Faith Mutambi, has made recently mm -hmm. have been around the firing of SABC board members. And so what she's been saying is that, um, in fact, her office, the ministry, should be able to fire board members. Um, and That's so the, the Ministry of Communications as opposed to the President. Exactly. The one that makes the appointments, yeah. Exactly. Okay. But, 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 but a kind of sense that that parliamentary oversight is something that we should kind of move away from. You know, maybe, maybe it's, I mean, it's unclear. Maybe parliament should select the board members, but the ministry should be able to fire, fire board members. So, so I think that that's hugely problematic for those kind of statements to be made because, again, you know, institutionally, the SEBC and a public broadcaster needs to be independent and, and accountable to the public. So parliament is, is a more, much more appropriate 
state institution okay. to be making now, those statements. Now, I mean, you were once an SABC board member. Your, your thoughts on that in terms of the broad principle of appointments? Well, I think the, the principle of appointment should, should always retain. It should be the, a presidential appointment. This is the public broadcaster, the skill set, the expertise, the range and scope of the kinds of people you need on this board are, are critical. And, and that's why you have a public process, a public nomination. People are screened, they're interviewed in Parliament. And that I think, you know, one needs to always protect. I, I do think that we have seen these shifts along the way. Even if you look at the regulator, you know, uh, years ago, it was also a presidential appointment. Um, and it has become a, an appointment through the, through the ministry. I think that, you know, these are issues that, of course, we're very concerned with. Um, and I think it's, 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 again, you know, giving a, a revisiting all of this. But I think it, it is something that concerns certainly the public process in itself. Okay. Key to that, of course, is whatever happens with the SABC as a public broadcaster, can it compete? Because ultimately, from a listener and a viewer point of view, it competes with every other media house. Does it do that effectively? We'll come to that in a minute as we continue chatting about the future of public media. And I'll get your calls as well to 891 Of course, I'll get your SMSs too. Uh, let's get a cricket, of course. There's an important wicket that's just fallen, uh, and that's of Hashim Mamla. Let's get more from that. The game is South Africa versus Sri Lanka. Here's uh, Natalie Manas. South Africa at the moment are 239 for four into the 42nd over. Hashim Amla was LBW to Argenta Mendes for a fantastic 109 of 130 deliveries with eight fours and one six. It's the 1300 of his career. And he also shared in a magnificent partnership of 151 with AB de Villiers. And that is the third highest partnership for South Africa against Sri Lanka. Coming to the crease now is David Miller. He joins JP Dermany, who's currently on 10. Earlier on, AB de Villiers made 75 from 70 with 5 fours and 1-6. Quinton Cock contributed 27 while Jacques Callis was out second ball for a duck LBW to Agenta Mendes who now has picked up 3 wickets. He has 3 for 61 in 9.5 overs. And South Africa 239 for 4 after winning the toss and choosing to bat first. Natalie Jamanis for SAFM Sport. Media at SAFM with Ashraf Gardner. Right, trusted media, this is according to an SMS. Trusted media today is people's media. SABC journalists have become mouthpiece of the ANC. Censorship is the order of the day. Our SMSs are being censored. Actually, I'm reading it right now as you talk. Why has the SABC, after 20 years of so-called, of so-called democracy, not screened the funeral video of Robert Sabukwe? We, the SABC, was among the media that covered the funeral. We demand to see that video from Corsi. Uh, uh, well, Corsi's views on that one. There. Just, by the way, uh, well documented in terms of the comments made by the SABC's Claudia Motsuneng in terms of the, the move for a journalist license, whatever that means now. We're not talking about it today only because it's, been, it's going to be discussed tomorrow together with uh, Claudia Motsuneng on the AM Live Forum at 8 from 8 to 9 AM. So listen out uh, listen out for that. Kate, I want to get your thoughts then on, on that appointment in terms of the um, uh, of, of the board. You, you, you said something off the air in terms of accountability to the public. Should we then rewrite the rules, in fact, where it's not even the, the president or the Department of Communication, or the ministry, that is, but the public actually appoints people. Can we get to that level? Look, I think we can. And I mean, this is certainly something that, you know, civil society organizations have been talking about a lot. But one of the ideas about uh, selecting an SABC board is as follows, that you literally have all the different civil society groupings, plus kind of, you know, churches, business, and of course, government itself, and that they would put forward people for an SABC board, um, and then 
then from amongst that number of people, and it would probably be an incredibly big board. Let's think about it. Probably mm, 50, mm, 60, mm, even mm, 60 mm, people mm. on that board as, as the German broadcaster is. And that from amongst the, that group of people, they would then select a chair and deputy chair. And the sense is that that group would set the strategic direction of the SABC. Um, and, and then, of course, they would, would, would um, you know, appoint some professional kind of, you know, professional journalists to, to run the SABC. Um, and that is an idea which I think is interesting um, because the idea is that that would make the, the public broadcaster much more accountable directly to audiences. I mean, who knows? It could be, it could be a kind of crazy situation where there's constant deadlock because everybody disagrees. Mm, mm, but mm. certainly I think those kinds of ideas need okay. to be put on the table. The economists, of course, some people will say, well, in fact, we, it is appointed by the public. The public votes for a ruling party and they make those decisions. Uh, Jane Duncan, your thoughts on that? Well, yes. I mean, that argument certainly can be made and has been made. Um, But I think the parliamentary system does lend itself to horse trading. Um, So, for instance, one party can say, well, we will give you, we will concede Kate Skinner as a board member Mm -hmm. if you concede Nadia Bobulia. And it doesn't necessarily become about whether the people have the inherent capabilities to serve on the board. Of course, both people who I've mentioned have more than enough capability to serve on the board. Um, So I think that that is one danger. One needs to try and find a way of getting away from the kind of horse trading that is inherent to the parliamentary system. But the one thing we haven't touched on is the appointment of the um, the executive directors of the board, the chief executive officer, okay, yes, very important. the chief mm. operating officer and the chief financial officer. Because this, I think, is an Achilles heel of the SABC. I spoke earlier about the lack of institutional independence um, that the SABC has, and this is what I had in mind. Both, um, all three positions um, are actually government appointments, which I think is entirely inappropriate, particularly in view of the fact that the group chief uh, chief executive officer is also the editor-in-chief of the SABC, which is a responsibility that I believe has now been delegated to the chief operations officer as well. Now, what that means is that we can draw a direct line between the editorial content of the SABC Mm -hmm. and the government, um, which is entirely inappropriate in a democracy. Uh, I'll get to Nadia once again in a minute. Just let me tell you, some people wanting to comment about uh, uh, Claudia Motsoneng's proposal uh, that, uh, that we should have a journalism license. So I just want to say I'm not going to take those calls today because we'll do that tomorrow. It's been allocated 8 to 9, so you can certainly call it on that. Hassan, give me, give me your thoughts. Hi, Hassan. Hi. Um, I agree with Jane because I think that, that public uh, institutions are under attack very generally, even if you look at uh, what's happening now with the NPA. It, I don't seem to find that life from inside the SABC to get it to be more independent or to guard it independent as a, as you'd find with Tuli Madunsela and others. I think that's the spirit. But I, I, I want just to say that if you look down at the other end of it, uh, the the uh, uh, the broadcast complaints authority, uh, the thing I'm engaging with them with now is that why don't they keep a record of proceedings? When you go there for a hearing, it looks like it's an old buddies club. There's no tape recorder. I mean, this is a broadcaster, you know. None of these issues are, are recorded. When I ask them now for future, I'd like to have it to be recorded. They say, well, they'll take it to our, their AGM, uh, which okay. I'm not, of course, a member of. I mean, really. So we need to look at the full All spectrum. Right. To Th- thanks thanks for raising that. Let me just tell you as well, just to repeat. So, Claudia Mosonen will talk tomorrow. Kaiser Kanyaka was going to be part of the guest panel today. In fact, uh, he was unable to commit to that, which is, I think is a huge pity because he could answer that question directly. Nadia Babulia, your thoughts then on, on the point made by Jane in terms of the, the SABC executive, which really is the the group that that runs the SABC. Your, your thoughts on that? Mm, I think this has been, you know, it's, it's, it's really 
um, been raised at, at many levels, and we also know that it's con- currently being uh, reviewed. We also know that there's a whole process, there's an ICT policy review process underway, and one of the key areas that's going to be uh, looked at is, of course, the public broadcaster. Um, I think that what we also can't lose sight of at the end of the day is that this is a huge corporation. This is a business as well. Um, you know, notions of how you get the right mix of people mm. on the board, of course, are, are really important and critical, and they talk to, to us as, as everyday South African citizens. But we also need to ra- have the right skill set to actually run this business and for it to be, um, to the point you raised earlier, robust, competitive, innovative, um, and able to, to deliver on content and deliver in the best interest of, of all South African citizens. So I think that, yes, there, there are huge uh, concerns around the appointment of, of, of certainly the executive, um, and these names have to be forward, forwarded to be approved, etc. This, this current environment, I know, is, is, is being looked at, it's being revisited, um, and I think it does call for the kind of interaction by civil society in these processes. Okay, I'll, I'll stay with Nadia Bobulia for a moment. Nice, relevant, proactive, uh, wise show, sir. Thanks for that feedback. Three guests, Nadia Bobulia, uh, who is a media regulator, once of the SABC, ICASA, as well as the MDDA. Jane Duncan is the professor of journalism at UJ. And Kate Skinner is a uh, uh, a broadcast researcher, but also a member of the Support Public Broadcasting Group. I'll get further comments as well from you. Someone saying public broadcaster is a contested space between the old order, which is represented by the colonial values of white supremacy, and a new transformation order, which is led by the progressive movement, which has no control of the powerful white private-owned media. It comes from Makheba in uh, Pretoria. We'll get comment on that in a minute. I want to stay with Nadia, however, because interesting point, Nadia, in terms of as, as a listener and as a viewer, viewers don't make a choice to say, I will listen to this station because it's the public broadcaster, because this one is owned by the country as opposed to owned by commercial uh, you know, uh, interests directly. They make choices purely on the basis of what suits them on the day. So therefore, in, in the light of that, this is, there's a sense, uh, and some have evidence to, to, uh, to back that up, that public broadcasting is losing ground to commercial because they are so hamstrung with a whole lot of things and therefore they're becoming increasingly irrelevant, although this is still very, very important. Mm. I think we need to, again, you know, we, we talk about, and often when we have these conversations, we're talking about people whose first language might be English and therefore are able to select across the spectrum of services, be they community, commercial, public. When you're talking about language diversity and you're talking about um, content and programming provided in language specifically, you don't see as, as much of that. We know this. Um, I think one just has to look at the, 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 le- the recent data that comes out of SOS, sort of the RAMs, TAMs, et cetera, to see where audiences are going. Audiences are still very much with the public broadcaster, but you're absolutely right. People gravitate to the content that they enjoy, that they want to consume. They're concerned with education, entertainment, information, et cetera. And we need to ensure that there's diversity, that, that, that there's robust different formats, that um, we have a range of content offerings, that it's just more, not more of the same. Um, and that's what we, we're really pushing for and I think we can do a lot more in that regard mm. but people do follow what they enjoy they do follow what interests them and, and, and to Kate's earlier point at the moment a lot of people um, in, in certain living measurement standard brackets the LSMs you know 8, 9, 10 are going online for a lot of what they're consuming as well Indeed well, well Kate your thoughts on that because if that's happening you know for example we have a church service coming up after this show now it's, it's in terms of the mandate we have to cover it's certainly not the most listened to show in the, on, on the entire radio station right uh, there's a sense of amongst many other people you see that's why you're chasing me away to listen to another radio station and if I enjoy that I don't come back give me, give me your thoughts about this balance between 
you know, public mandate and competing still at the same time with, with the commercial interests. I mean, it, it is difficult because obviously they're going to be minority audiences and, and, and the fact is that you as a public broadcaster have to cover those minority audiences. But then you also have to cover, you have to create these public spaces. Um, and I think where, where people across, you know, race, class, gender, language, you know, come together and talk. So the, the, there is that constant balance that the public broadcaster has to do. And in a way, that is, interestingly, it's competitive edge because the fact is that, that it is the one institution that caters for all of these different audiences and creates those public spaces. And in this new media world with all of this media, which is pretty much pretty, very niche, it, 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 you know, if the public broadcaster is credible um, and, and, and professional and does excellent quality um, sort of broadcasting, hopefully that is what is going to bring people constantly back. They might go away, but they'll come back again uh, for those public spaces and when their particular niche audience programming is in fact happening. All right, 0891 A couple more people wish to comment. I'm happy to take those calls. We'll chat for another five minutes uh, on, on this issue. Nadia, is there, is there anything that we haven't brought up that you think is really important on this issue of the, the future of uh, public media? I think there's so much that we could talk about, Ashraf, and it sounds like you're going to have a really interesting program as well tomorrow. Yeah, um, I do think, you know, personally, I think the future has to be bright. The future has to be, you know, um, the next level, how we, we push the envelope, how we consistently are, are striving to make unique, um, alternative, you know, thought-provoking content that takes us to a space where we are having those conversations, we are re- reflecting on our South Africanness. that we do see this as something that we, we proudly own. And, and that's why I think, you know, uh, part of me is kind of we need to protect this, this public broadcast. So this is a, u- a huge resource. And again, I should I constantly have to remind people that the conversations we're having in Johannesburg, talk about disproportionate, in Johannesburg, you're able to access a range of different academics, universities, etc. We're talking about the rest of the country. We're talking about voices that need to come um, from across the country. And this is where the, the public broadcaster has to play that, that, that very important role as well. All right. Well, uh, Jane, let, let's wrap up. Just uh, any further thoughts you have? Yes. Well, I think um, perhaps to start out with what is my greatest fear. And my mm. greatest fear at the moment is that we may land up developing two um, media systems, um, particularly in broadcasting where you have um, um, people who have, um, who have left the SABC because they've become cynical mm-hmm. um, about public broadcasting um, and rely largely on DSTV um, and other services. Um, and then um, you, so, so those people would, would be um, probably very well serviced um, by commercial media, but obviously the viewing choices would be, would be fragmenting all the time. They'd be opening up but fragmenting all the time. And yet, um, we may well also have a second tier as well um, of, of people who are reliant, remain reliant on free-to-air services, um, but those free-to-air services are under-resourced, and, and um, free-to-air tele- television, once it's undergone the digital mi- migration process, lands up becoming a person's television. Um, and I, I think we can ill afford to have a, a dualistic media system like that. But it doesn't have to be like that. Um, I think that um, if public service um, media is, is, is going to have a future, then I think it needs to be a lot more serious about reinventing itself and speaking particularly to the youth audience. Um, I think Nadia is correct that um, the SABC is rather fortunate um, compared to other public broadcasters around the world in that it still retains large audience 
share, although that audience share is declining. But the youth is particularly important to its future. Um, so we've seen a projection um, um, of the BBC's audience share, um, for instance, of them losing practically all of its youth audience in the next 20 years. Um, we don't want that to happen with mm-hmm. the SABC, mm-hmm. and the SABC is still very popular amongst the youth. But it's only going to remain popular if it rethinks its mandate and, for instance, shifts away from speaking to people. You know, young people are now used to interacting um, through social media. And perhaps public service broadcasting needs to have a duty to interact rather than a duty just simply to speak. I think that's a good point, and maybe that's where we can end up, that the need to be innovative, understanding that you are still, effectively, in terms of audience share, you're competing with the entire country, public or or, or private. Kate, your, your final thoughts? So just my final thoughts now, um, it just goes back to this ICT policy review process where we're going to be looking at the funding of public broadcasting and the governance of public broadcasting management boards, etc., which obviously impacts on content. And I think what is absolutely critical is that all sorts of different groupings, civil society groupings, um, you know, actually interact with that policy process because otherwise we, we might get funding models and governance models that we don't like that actually shifted in a much more boring kind of state board mm, broadcaster mm, direction, mm. not an innovative direction. And it's a critical moment for people to get involved and for it not to be a kind of technical process. Okay, I think the key thing there is, is to mix the, the required requisites, which sometimes can be boring, with other programming that allows people to join audience Otherwise, you lose them both, isn't it? That's where we're going to leave it. Thank you so much for your time, Kate. Uh, uh, on the one hand, let's just run through Kate Skinner, of course, then Jane Duncan and Nadia Bobulia. Uh, appreciate your input, all three of you. Now, part two of this discussion around the specific issue of a, a journalism license will be done tomorrow from 8 to 9 on the AM live show. Uh, and that's per the comments of the SABC's uh, Claudio Mozzanen, where he's proposed that that may well happen. In fact, that's what he wants to happen, if I can understand it correctly, as per his proposal at the Joburg Radio Days conference a few days ago. Lots more to come. There's a Something innovative as well. Habari Media's got a storyteller tool. We'll find out about that right after this.